another week, another episode of the Gridiron Glory Overtime Podcast. As always, we will get into the nitty-gritty on our digital exclusive games, and I'm telling you, this one's a good one. We'll be talking about Loudonville at Nelsonville, York, Portsmouth at Ironton, Madeira at Zane Trace, Bishop Ready at St. Clairsville, and Cambridge East. All very good games with some very good reporters. Now, let's get into the show. I am now joined by the wonderful Carl Blaylock. Carl, how you doing, buddy? Really good, really good. And another special appearance from Jack Demler. How you doing, Jack? Parker, how you doing? Thanks for having me. I am doing pretty good. So we're going to be talking about Loudonville, Nelsonville, York, and I'm going to let you guys get started. Give me a little preview on it. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about how uh, me and Jack have been really just talking about this game all week. Uh, two in the morning on Sunday, uh, Sunday night. I'm sitting around, I can't sleep, and apparently Jack can't either, and uh, we're talking about this game. We're sitting there going back and forth talking about what this game is going to be like, because this is a game that I talk, I've talk. i talked with pretty much NY coach Rusty Richards at this point on a weekly basis, uh, and pretty much he, he told me last week before their game against Grove City Christian that he was nervous for whatever team that they ended up facing, uh, and it's going to be Loudonville, which I think might be the tougher of the two teams that they would have faced. Um, Loudonville is a very, very good team. They're a little bit different. They're a spread option team, but player-wise, I feel like they really mirror a lot of what Nelsonville York um, throws at you. I mean, they have a dual-threat quarterback, uh, just like Makai Williams, uh, and they have a lot of really talented running backs and wide receivers that can really burn you. I know well, one of the players, and I cannot remember uh, the number or the name that Coach Richards talked about, but one of their players, he literally uh, compared him to a Landon Enman type player. So I, I feel like there's a lot of parallels on the offensive side of the ball uh, between this Loudonville and Nelsonville York team. Yeah, and you know when I watched, I watched a bit of Loudonville's huddle uh, before I was texting Carl. I just wanted to get a good feel for what. NY was going to be facing on Friday and just as Carl said their QB is a dual threat they tend to run a bit of a run pass option type play Um, and really the focus is going to be on the Buckeyes middle linebacker core especially you know Leighton Logie Gavin Richards Uh, it depends on their first move defensively they need to stick to it because you know if you start to creep in as soon as the ball is snapped and then you decide oh, I need to be back in coverage, you've already lost because they've got a receiver that's going to go deep down the sideline, uh, and their quarterback's got a bit of a cannon. Uh, so it'll, it'll be a very interesting match, uh, to, uh, very interesting game to see, uh, big-time defense versus a big-time offense, uh, to see if who's going to the regional semifinals. And one key thing for Loudonville is that one of their key wide receivers, uh, they, he was injured um, on the first play of their game last week, some sort of knee injury, uh, I talked with Coach uh, John, uh, forgotten his name as well. This is a little bit forgetful me. Uh, <laughs> but I talked with Loudonville's coach, and uh, he was talking about how he's probably going to play, but he is somebody on that offense who is very good wide receiver, but he might be even more important on defense. Now, the Redbirds on defense, they run this 3-3 stack. It's a 3-3-5. Um, and this player is on the defensive end, and he has 12 sacks on the year. I think it's really key that if he plays, I think it's going to be a completely different defense than what you're going to see uh, otherwise. I know NY is probably going to want to try to run the ball against a 3-3-5, 
I think with him, they're going to struggle with that. I, I Obviously, even though NY is normally very balanced, Rusty Richards, uh, NY's coach, normally you want to run the ball first. Um, you want to run the ball first, and then if it opens up, then you get out to the passing attack with Leighton Logie, James Koska, and Landon Inman. Um, but I, I think we're going to see NY try to run the ball first, but I think it really depends on if if Loudonville's star defensive end is healthy. If he's healthy, I, I think that you're going to see a little bit more of an advantage for the Redbirds. But NY does have the size advantage in this game. Yeah, and another key factor uh, is the third down defense for NY. You know, I was when I was looking at the stats from Loudonville. You know, over the eight games they showed on their huddle that showed team stats in comparison. Uh, you know, they converted on 30 of 85, uh, which is about 35%. So it's really going to be key to get your defense off the field as much as possible and force as many third downs. Uh, I'm expecting a big game from Leighton Logie uh, on the defensive side, especially uh, Hudson Stalter, I think, is, as Carl mentioned, you know, establishing the run game. I think they're going to look to Hudson Stalter a lot. Uh, I'll be interested to see what how Makai sort of handles this defensive end um if he plays how, if he plays and how they establish not only the run game but the pass game as well uh how much pressure Makai faces and how he deals with that uh throughout the throughout the game okay Jack I'm gonna go to you on this one because I'm curious here me and you went to a game together earlier in the season and that was Newark Catholic versus NY how do we know that this isn't the NY team we saw in that game? Oh, Newark Catholic is... It's not even that this isn't the NY team. It's that the opponent is not Newark Catholic. Newark Catholic is a big team. They they had the size advantage. Mason Hackett is that guy, and it's tough to take him down. He's a bulldozer when you're trying to tackle him that's going to run through you, and NY just showed that they couldn't. Um, I think it's a different opponent, not necessarily a different NY. I think NY has shown a lot of growth from that game. I mean, they're 10-1, and one, uh, so I think they have definitely improved. They've learned how to battle through adversity when they're down in big key games. If you look at Vinton County, you know, they were down for much of the first half and battled their way back uh, and took home the TVC title. So I think they know how to battle back. Um, and again, as I mentioned, it's not necessarily that this NY team is new, it's that their opponent's not Newark Catholic. And I also think that uh, Newark Catholic game ended up being kind of a wake-up call for the Buckeyes. Uh, kind of cause, And don't get me they're wrong, Newark Catholic was the better team, but that was probably Nelsonville York's worst showing of the season. Um, they just they struggled a bit in that game, and that's understandable, and especially when you're playing a Newark Catholic team that, that ended up being their first game of the year. You know, you're going to have that. Um, so I, I don't think that I, I don't think that with Nelsonville York, I don't think it's so much of a different team, but I, I do think that the Buckeyes will they they've just grown entirely throughout the season. And that Venton County game is the most important game. But on the flip side for Loudonville, uh, this is a team that's really changed a lot of things. Uh, talking with their coach, uh, this is his second year. They went one and nine last season. And at the beginning of this season, they kind of didn't look that good. They ended the season, currently they're on a five-game winning streak, and that's because the seniors came together. They bought into the program, and they sat there, and they had a little players-only meeting, pretty much, and they went, look, we need to shape up, we need to turn this around, and they have. 
Uh, they've, they've gotten to the point to where they are a win away from the regional semifinal. And, you know, to go back to the NY point, NY's offense did not do anything against Newark Catholic. Uh, and I think that speaks a lot to Newark Catholic's defense. I think Makai Williams, as a quarterback, has shown a lot of growth throughout this season. Uh, Leighton Logie, he hasn't had the offensive production that I recall from the season before. Uh, he's been a lot bigger, a lot more present on defense, but you know, I think there a lot of key players have stepped up offensively. Landon Inman was big. Hudson Stalters had a couple key games. And as I mentioned, I think Mikai Williams has definitely grown as a quarterback. Talking about Landon Inman, I mean, last week against Grove City Christian, he had a passing, rushing, and receiving touchdown all in the first half. Uh, so Inman is a very good player, and I think with Logie, it's just been a problem of uh, getting in, getting his uh, hands on the ball in different ways. Uh, week one against Tremble, uh, what they did is they put Logie in motion uh, on the offensive line. They sent him in motion, and they had a little pitch play to Logie, and Logie ran at 76 yards. We haven't seen much of that since, but you're just seeing a lot of different ways. You just you're finding ways for your star players to get the ball in. For example, for Nelsonville York, they have they've put this package in over the last few weeks where they line up Landon Inman in kind of a wildcat formation. And with Inman, I mean, you can really do anything with Inman. Uh, he can run the ball. He can pass the ball. He, they have a double pass play for him as well in there. So uh, it's the creativity by Rusty Richards on offense to sit there and make sure that his the ball gets into his best offensive player's hands. All right, so before we wrap this up, Jack, as much as this, I believe, is going to pain you, I want you to give me the argument for Loudonville and Carl. I want you to give me the argument for Nelsonville, York. Okay, uh, Carl, you want to start? I'll go for Nelsonville, York. I I think that a lot of this game, for me, rides on two things. First of all, the third downs. Uh, When me and Jack were texting back Sunday night, we were sitting there talking about how if NY is going to win this game, they need to keep Loudonville under 50% on third downs. Um, Also for the Buckeyes, I I think that it's going to be key that if that star defensive end is out, I I think that NY is going to have a lot of an easier time. Because as we talked about, Loudonville is, they're, they're lighter. They're not as big as NY. So NY should be able to push them back a little bit on the defensive side. I think if NY can establish the run game, if they can have a run-first mentality, I think NY wins this game. I don't think it's going to be too far out because I do I do really respect Loudonville's offense. Looking in their five-game win streak, they've averaged 40 points a game in that win streak over the last five games. So I, I do respect the Redbird offense. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Nelsonville-York pulls this one out. I think if I had to give a final score prediction, I would say 41-27. Okay. Uh, So for Loudonville, we talked a lot about the defensive end. If I were to look, sticking with the defensive side, regardless of whether that defensive end is in or not, one of the key factors is putting as much pressure as you can on Makai Williams. I think if you put a ton of pressure on him, he tends to 
you know, sort of rush some throws. He makes some poor reads, poor decision making. Uh, you know, Vinton County had a couple couple crucial pass blocks. There was the one two, two pick sixes in yeah, that game. Two pick sixes, one um by Garrett Brown had the first one. Uh, I can't recall who it was. Matt Hambry had the second one. Matt Hambry had the second. So, you know, I think if you could put pressure on Makai, you can force him to make some tough throws. They've also had big pass blocks deep. You know, there was the one PI call that, you know, as much as I hate to see that it it wasn't PI, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, if you put pressure on Makai, he'll rush some throws. Now on the offensive side, we talked about how high flying this pass game is for Loudonville. Uh, Carl, you said you spoke to Coach Richards earlier, and he talked about how he's not really worried about the option because he has seen it done in his conference before. But I think, you know, looking at Loudonville, if I were to compare the tapes between teams in the TVC that run the option play and Loudonville that runs the option play, it's there's a bit of a difference. I think Loudonville runs it better. I think they're a little more aggressive with it as well in terms of passing the ball. Uh, and it's it's all, it's all going to come down to hey, can you force the middle linebackers to second guess their decision? Because if they can, if you get them to second guess, you will have a receiver deep, wide open. And we've seen that. You know, if you look up Loudonville's huddle, you see that against Rock Hill. You know, their their receivers are fast and get to the open areas quickly to allow their quarterback to air it out just within like three seconds all right jack do we have a final score prediction from you oh it's tough i i'm not gonna go the necessary i'm it's not necessarily a blowout that you called carl but i think that difference is too big uh, i think you know drew pastures fantastic 50 had ny minus eight i would take loudonville plus that um I would probably go, if I would give a score prediction, I'm going to go NY35, Loudonville 31. All right. All right. So, Jack, they can catch you on the show this Friday night. And then, Carl, me and you are making a little combo duo here. That we are. Uh, as many of you may know, I am the play-by-play voice for the Athens County Game of the Week and now the OHSAA Playoff Games on Power 105. Uh, me and Parker teaming up a little bit. He's able to he's able to kind of do a dual threat with it. He's going to be working for Gridiron Glory and Power 105 at the same time, and he's going to help me out on Friday night for color commentary for this NY Loudonville game. We'll have pregame at 6.30 uh, and kickoff at 7 on WXTQ Power 105 here in Athens. And then, as always, for the digital games, you can catch the live tweets and a quick snippet on the broadcast. Those live tweets will be brought to you by Aiden underscore Cogna. Thank you, guys. Now joined for the second week in a row to talk about Cambridge. Grayson, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm glad to get to talk about two teams got to talk about last week. Saw East for the first time last week. Know a lot, a lot more about them than I did last week. Get to talk more about Cambridge. Get to talk about Cade Moore. I'm I'm excited. Let's do it. All right. So can we talk a little bit about the uh, Cambridge Logan Elm game? Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't there, but obviously was keeping tabs on it. Um, watched some of the highlights afterwards. The Cambridge defense just 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 totally dismantled um the 
the Logan Elm passing attack. Um, Walters threw almost 60 times. They picked him off four times. They held him to 13 points. Um, they just looked really, really good. And I mean, to be honest, I was surprised. You know, we talked last week about how they hadn't beat a team with a winning record yet, and they go out and they win by you know 20 points against a really good Logan Elm team on the road. Um, you know, playoff atmosphere. I mean, I was, I was impressed. I was. I was, yeah, it was just, it was very eye-opening to me to see that, hey, this Cambridge team is, has turned a corner. They, they got over the hill. They're playing their best football right now, and, and this is when you want to play it. And if you guys are ready for this giant shocker, Caden Moore had jaw-dropping stats again. That's right. That's all he does. He threw for 344. He had two touchdowns, or two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Um, one, one, one of his touchdowns was less on the throw, more Davion Barr. He he absolutely mossed a defender and took it like 70 yards to the house. Um, but, you know, to be a good quarterback, you got to have some good receivers too, right? So, so can you give us a little bit about this uh, Columbus East team? Yeah, so East, they, um, they were only up five at halftime on Vinton County uh, but in the second half their athleticism just took over I mean they they have athletes all over the fields uh, we talked a little bit about Tazon Burns last week how they were just kind of their do-it-all guy and that was exactly what he was they were throwing him swing passes they were handing the ball off to him they were tossing he was he got a direct snap for a touchdown um, I mean he's he's everything you want in a running back I talked to TJ Carper after the game Vinton County's head coach he said he was probably the best athlete they've played all year um, and I would agree. I mean, he's he's one of the best players um, I've seen all year. Uh, and if if Cambridge wants a chance, it's all about stopping number two for East. So I'll jump in a little bit on East here too as well. Yeah. Um, not exactly the best schedule in the world. Yeah. Similar to um, Cambridge, their best win is against Toledo Scott, which as a Northeast Ohioan, I do know a little bit about Toledo Scott, and they're not great. Okay. Um, so. Drew Pastor actually has this game as Cambridge getting another one here. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I would agree because I think East's biggest um, advantage they had of County was just their pure athleticism. Um, but I think Cambridge, I think I think East still edges out Cambridge in the athleticism battle, but the gap is not as big. The gap is not as big at all. And and East like their skill guys, they're they're small, they're undersized, they're not as strong. I mean, Davion Barr is like six two. Devin Ogle's another guy about six feet tall. They're going to be taller than both corners they go against. Um, and so I think, um, you know, like I said last week, it's all about keeping Caden more clean because they did have a good defensive line. It's all about keeping Caden more clean, and it's it's getting it to those receivers, to those guys that that can go up and high point the ball. Uh, and I think I think Cambridge should be favored, and I think Cambridge will come out with a win. So this is one of those games where, as I mentioned, two-week schedules, and now we have two teams playing each other who were on similar paths the entire season, mm-hmm. right? They were essentially destined to make the playoffs due to having a decent level of talent and playing opponents that weren't quite up to snuff for what they did. So we get to really see who both teams are here. So you mentioned you think uh, Cambridge comes away with a win. Can you elaborate a little bit on what they have to do in order to come away with that? Yeah, I think it's it's all about keeping Tazon inside the numbers. If he gets the outside, if he gets the corner, if he gets the sideline, there's a good chance it's 25-yard, 30-yard gain, possibly taking it all the way to the house. So it's all about keeping him contained. And then on the offensive end, um, I would – like to see them as they go farther into the playoffs here trying to establish more of a run game. You know, more through for 344 last week. Don't really need a run game, especially when you're picking off the, the opposing quarterback four times. Um, but I think I think they could establish more of a run game here. I mean, um, you know, Vinton County is obviously a run-heavy team. East knew that. 
they took advantage of it. A lot of blitzes, uh, like dominated the point of attack in the trenches. Um, but, you know, I mean, Cambridge runs, you know, four receivers, three receivers, high octane, you know, throw the ball, spread offense. And so I think I would like to see Cambridge try and take more advantage of that, try and run the ball more. Um, but yeah, I think just the recipe for success is keeping Cade more clean. Let him make those throws. Let him get the ball to Devin Ogle. Let him get the ball to Davion Barr. Uh, and it's 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 all about that. All right, can you give me a final score prediction? Final score prediction. I also will say this. Great atmosphere at East last yes. week. Um, great marching band. A lot of people in the crowd. Um, they're excited. I was looking on Twitter after the game, and, and uh, it said that Columbus East is the last Columbus City school to be in the playoffs. Um, and so... You know, those are like those are smaller schools. Those are inner city schools, and so I think like a lot of a lot of the uh, area schools are kind of going to rally around you. So I would expect another great atmosphere. Um, but final score, let's see. Um, I'm going to say can, they scored 34 last week, Cambridge. Yes, I'm going to say 31, 20. Oh, another thing about East, they always go for two point conversions. So I got to take that into factor. Um, 34, 26. Cambridge. All right. Thank you, Grayson. I am now joined by GG host Mata. Mata, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you today, Parker? I'm doing pretty good. This is a fun game we could talk about. Yes, it is. Long, long time rivalry, I've heard. Oh, very long. They've been playing uh, Portsmouth uh, is traveling to Ironton, and they have been playing each other for almost a century. At this point, uh, if you did not know, they used to be two NFL teams that obviously are not NFL teams anymore, but they sold their teams to the current NFL teams. One is the Detroit Lions, so they have been playing, like I said, for a very, very long time. And these two teams definitely don't like each other. Uh, we're talking about a team, the two teams, excuse me, that have met already once in the regular season, and Ironton came away with a big 42-7 to win. And yeah, they... Ironton does what Ironton does. They're an extremely good football program. Uh, it's been hard to compete with them for anybody. Gallia Academy played them really close, but you know, other other than that, they've uh, saw a team from Russell, Kentucky, and they played them pretty close. But everybody else in Ohio has uh, faced the steamroller that is Ironton, and they are looking to do that again on Friday night. And what does Ironton need to do to make that happen? Oh, man. Ironton just needs to play their version of football. Uh, if they play down to Portsmouth's level it obviously could be a quick game but don't I wouldn't count Portsmouth out yet by any means you know this is the playoffs anything can happen and we saw what happened to Ironton Wheelersburg last year Wheelersburg uh, lost to them by a lot in the regular season and they came back and beat them in the playoffs so you've got Portsmouth with Tyler Duncan Uh, he's a great quarterback a really good passer and he's got some solid guys around him so if they can uh, if Portsmouth can look to exploit that Ironton secondary, then you know we could be in for a close game here. But Ironton with uh, Tayden Carpenter, J- Jacquez Keys, Ty Perkins, he he is that guy. You know he steps on the field. He is one of the best players on the field at all times. I don't care who he's on it with. Uh, yeah, overall, if you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it. And you've mentioned that big three, and we've been talking about that big three the entire year. What does Portsmouth need to do to neutralize them in any capacity? The secondary is going to have to play an outstanding game because no matter what, Jacquez Keys can run the ball, and he is that guy. He uh, is a really he's a menace on defense as well. Don't get me wrong, but he's a hard runner. 
Portsmouth's really going to need to exploit that Ironton secondary. Uh, they're going to have to be able to cover Ty Perkins and make them go to someone else. And not to say that Ironton isn't comfortable throwing to someone else, because they can. But if you could take Ty Perkins out of the mix and really try to control Jacquez Keys on the ground and force some turnovers, they're going to have to hit him hard, hit him low, and we'll see what happens. All right, can you give me a little bit of a prediction here? Ooh. Prediction here, obviously, uh, I think everybody is going to side with Ironton. Uh, I think Portsmouth does keep it closer, though. Like I said, I'm not ruling Portsmouth out of this game at all. They're a very good program. They're coached really well in their discipline. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. Now with me for his seemingly weekly appearance, Shane Scalfaro. Shane, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So you've got the Madeira Mustangs at Zane Trace. Can you tell me a little bit about that game? This is going to be an interesting one, Parker. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, Zane Trace 11-0. Uh, the Mustangs are at 10-1. and Their one loss came in the uh, last game of the regular season. Uh, both these teams, I mean, they are high-powered offenses, high-powered defenses. They don't let you score a ton, but they score a ton themselves. Um, Zane Trace, we know, has been a team that likes to stay on the ground. Um, in recent weeks, they have shown that they will go to the air, which is something I think is interesting. Um, Madeira, on the other hand, are run the football, run the football, run the football, nothing else. Um, they're sitting behind a lot of all-state players on that team. They are a high-powered offense, high-powered defense to the max um, that we kind of see in our coverage so it's definitely it's gonna be something yeah so and obviously Madeira is not in our coverage so a lot of what we come or a lot of our opinions here come from what we saw online um Nick Heiser big time running back runs all over the place we're gonna see 20 plus carries in this game how does that converse to Zane Trey style they have anybody like that um they I mean they do they have Brackman on their team I believe that's his name I hope that's right <laughs> I'm gonna put a timeout and just make sure that's right. <laughs> before I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that's right. Hold up. Oh, did you hear about what happened with Sports Beat? Okay, I'll talk to you. Oh yeah, yeah. I did what I could. It um, <clears throat> sounded like bad AM radio though. Oh, did it? Yeah. I mean, that was th- that was the absolute best I could get out of it. Okay. Good thing I looked because that's not his name. It's not Brackman. Yeah, because Brackman's the Northwest guy. Yeah. Okay, it's Barnhart. Okay. <laughs> okay, time in. Does anybody have anything like that? Uh, I mean, they have... Um, I just messed Jesus up. Christ, Shane. Barnhart. Barnhart. Barnhart, Barnhart, Barnhart. Barnhart. What's his first name? Because that'll make me... I want to say... I want to say Nathaniel... <laughs> Daniel... Okay. Daniel Bar. Okay. Gonna do it for realsies this time. Okay. Good thing this is edited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they have uh, Daniel Barnhart, who has kind of been their workforce back for them. Um, I mean, he's a good size. He runs runs strong. He goes through that O-line. He'll bully through uh, once he gets to the linebackers. So I think it'll be an interesting showdown of backs. So let's get into some keys to win here. What does Zane Trace need to do to come away with it? They need to stack the box every single time. <laughs> um, the Mustangs are going to run this ball down their throat, and they just have to be prepared for it. Um, really, I stack the box. 
because you got to have everyone coming down on that back at once. Um, judging by his numbers and how much they run the ball and these scores, he's probably a bigger back, so it's going to probably take at least two people to tackle him. So they they got a flurry to that running back. Uh, another thing I've noticed here, just checking a look at their um, all-conference winners this year for Madeira, strong offensive line and a strong defensive line. The guys in the trenches there are absolutely fantastic, and I think that plays part in the uh, success of their running backs. How does Zane Trace need to counter that strong defensive line? Um, so, I mean, what they're going to have to do is they're either going to have to start they're going to have to probably maybe take early and figure out where they're going to be able to run the ball, if it's going to be down the center or to the left or to the right, depending on their game plan. And if they're going to say, hey, we need to throw the ball a little more, they got to get the ball out quick because that D-line is going to eat them up. He, they're going to have to go slants, like quick out routes. Like They're going to have to get the ball out of the hands of that quarterback quickly. So can you give me a uh, final score prediction here? Final score prediction. Um you know, that's a good question. I mean, both these teams are, they score a lot of points. It's hard to find numbers where they're not in the 30s, the 40s. Um, they don't hold, they don't let you score a lot of points. So when you put those back to back together, I'm going to say Madeira's going to win and knock off the undefeated Zane Trace. And I'm going to go with a score of 42 to 21. Wow. Okay. Is what I'm going to I'm going to give Zane Trace a little bit of hope because I do think that offense is going to maybe be hard to set, like hard to kind of stop, um, especially maybe in the later parts of the game. So I'm going to give I'm going to give him a little bit of points here. Now, for all the Zane Trace fans out there, another note is that Drew Pastor has Zane Trace as a two point favorite. But really? Yes, it is a pretty much a fifty fifty shot according to Pastor. Wow. Two-point favorite yes. for Zane Trace? I guess at home does also help that. It is, it's a travel. I mean, it's definitely a travel. I mean, it's a probably, what, hour and a half, two hours? Probably around there, yeah. Which definitely is a bit of a new situation for Madeira. Absolutely. And also for all the Zane Trace fans out there, um, keep in mind, this is me not knowing anything about Madeira. <laughs> um, it's just us looking stuff up. So I'm going off of what I see on the numbers, not what I've seen um from their playing, I, I hope. I mean, I always root for the teams in our coverage, so <laughs> that's just me looking at numbers. All right, thank you very much, Shane. Absolutely. I am now joined for, I believe, the second time second by time. Charlie Elenfeld. Charlie, you have a pretty fun game this week. Oh, absolutely. This one is serious upset watch territory. Uh, two really interesting teams in Bishop Reddy, uh, who's going to visit St. Clairsville. Uh, you know, 69% chance of winning uh, for St. Clairsville here. And St. Clairsville's been on a little bit of... Uh, not... Their legitimacy has been in question for a lot of this yeah. year. You know, their two losses this year were absolute embarrassments against uh, Wheeling Park and uh, Lindsley. But, you know, they've rebounded from that. They've rattled off uh, six straights since then. And they've been very efficient in their wins. But they've had some narrow victories over Cambridge and Union Local. So for a one seed in Region 15, it's very 
up in the air whether or not they're a real contender for the state playoffs or even to take on Steubenville in the regional final. So then Bishop Ready as well also have had a little bit of a questionable schedule throughout yeah, the year. Yeah, they had a really difficult schedule to start the year, and coming into week six, they played uh, Harvest Prep, who absolutely blew the doors off of them, uh, 41-7. But since that point, they have had a very easy schedule, especially by Division Four standards. Uh, and, you know, it, there's a lot of teams that have coasted in the playoffs off of sort of easy schedules. But uh, Bishop Ready's not that, not quite that bad, but... They have certainly taken advantage of that schedule to end the year, as they have outscored their last opponent uh, since week six. They've outscored opponents three uh, two hundred thirty five to twenty eight. So taking advantage of an easier schedule down the stretch. So can you give me a little bit of a breakdown on the play styles between these two teams? Yeah, you're definitely going to see a run oriented game. Uh, you know, as we were talking about, you know, previously, uh, this is a pro style type of offense for uh, the Silver Knights from Bishop Ready, and they are. Back, they're they're carried on the back of Brian Fitzsimmons. You know, he has thirteen hundred yards on the year, and he has absolutely done it all uh, when it comes to running the ground. He gets the majority of the carries. He runs efficiently. He gets in the end zone. So you know, he really just checks all the boxes for uh, you know Central Southeast Ohio offense uh, and. On the you know under under center you have uh, Caleb Schaefer who you know it, obviously since this is a more run oriented offense he's using a lot of that athleticism versus you know airing it out as much but you know he certainly has that athleticism he's six six he's an absolute beast and he throws to his brother Caden uh, who's already six three and he's a sophomore so I mean this is a team that absolutely uh, is a run oriented team but they they can go up and beat you in the air if they need to and we give a little shout out to the big guys they have a fantastic offensive line a few all district guys if oh I, uh... yeah you know Tyler Mix I mean absolute beast. Uh, you, you just look at his uh, physical trait. 6'5", 230, uh, th- sorry, 325 pounds, and he's only a junior. This guy is just going to absolutely maul defensive linemen. He's going to you know, create lanes for his guys. He is an absolute beast. And then, how about on the St. C side of things? What do we see there? St. C side of things, you know, St. C just reloads every year, and it's always impressive to see it's a new group of seniors who are stepping up, and this year has been no exception. Uh, Jacob Walker passed uh, 1,100 yards last week uh, against Morgan, and he has been the bell cow back for them all year long. And you also have to give a shout-out to uh, Andrew Vera, their quarterback, who has thrown for approximately 1,300 yards and then has also run for 734 yards. And he has had some very big runs and big games. I mean, he had, I believe, a 60-yard touchdown run that he broke off against Union Local that basically saved that game or sorry Cambridge that basically saved that game for them got the momentum out of the break Um, and so yeah he has been huge for them and then when they air the ball out Cole Thorburn has been such an x-factor as a player all year long you know he when I went to see them against Bel Air he returned a kick 85 yards for a touchdown I mean this guy is you know just your dagger your tool you know what how do you need to beat this team put Cole Thorburn in that spot. He's going to do it for you. Um, but, you know, they are receiver by committee by trade, but he's their leading receiver. Uh, and like I said, X-Factor on special teams. So this is just a very, uh, I, once again, I mean, you got to give credit to Brett McLean, a team that is just built from the ground up, reloads every year, and is just ready to take care of business. So coming into this game, I want to hear your argument for St. Clairsville, and then I want to hear your argument for Bishop Reddy. Well, St. Clairsville, I mean, they do this every year. They're a great team. They're almost always a regional final lock. Uh, and Brett McLean is an outstanding head coach. He's somehow in his twentieth year here already. Uh, but you know, he's still 
coming up with inventive ways to win. And this St. Clairsville team always has a new procedure, can always adjust. And, you know, you also have to give credit to them defensively against potent offenses like Union Local, Cambridge. Uh, they've been able to stifle them. However, I will say they have struggled with a, a lot with size and they've struggled a lot with speed this year. And that's sort of where we get into Bishop Ready. Bishop Ready is a team that is built on athleticism. They're built on a really strong, powerful runner that is Brian Fitzsimmons. And we already talked about Tyler Mix, who, I mean, 6'5 on the offensive line. Then you have a 6'6 quarterback. And when they've played really athletic teams like Lindsley, who has, uh, you know, Luca D. Lorenzo, and then you have Wheeling Park, who has guys like uh, Dre Hawkins, they have been seriously, uh, they seriously struggle in both. Both those games, like, like I already mentioned, they got a, a bunch of points dropped on them by both of those teams. They struggled in the air. So if Bishop Reddy can, un, you know, unlock their pass attack against St. Clairsville, this is a game they can absolutely win. And that's why Fantastic Fifty has this as a lose by nine uh, for Bishop Reddy. They absolutely are accounting for that possibility that they get upset. So I think it comes down to St. Clairsville just being able to dictate the game as they, you know, play their style, uh, get the ball on the ground, let Jacob Walker rumble, let that, you know, let Andrew Vera get loose as well. Uh, in games where he is an efficient runner, they are absolutely. Uh, able to win. and But when he's turned the ball over in games like Wheeling Park where he had an interception and a fumble, that's when it gets tough. Uh, and if Bishop Reddy can create those mistakes, absolutely they have a chance to win this game. Alright, so let's get a uh, final score prediction here from you, Charlie. Oh, that's tough. I am still going to err on the side of St. Clairsville. Uh, this is a little bit of bias on my part, but I really want to see them play Gallia next week uh, at home. I think that'd be a very interesting game uh, with two very solid teams. But I, I'm still going to err on St. Clairsville, I think, and this isn't a far stretch. I'm going to say St. Clairsville is going to take this one 31, uh, I'll say 28 to 24. Uh, and that's because, you know, uh, you have an all central kicker on. Uh, <clears throat> Shout out for uh, Bishop Reddy and Drew Craddock. He has been elite all year as a kicker, and that's impressive in high school uh, in any basis. So they're, they're going to make a field goal to get it close at one point, but there's going to be a late touchdown scored by St. Clairsville. And that's kind of how they've done it this year. Late touchdown, won the game against Union Local. Late touchdown, won the game against Cambridge. Uh, and so I think it's going to come down to the wire. It'll be the fourth quarter. And I think, honestly, I think going into the fourth quarter, Reddy will have a lead. But St. Clairsville is going to have this horribly long drive for Bishop Reddy, and they're just going to grind away and grind away and grind away. I mean, this St. Clairsville team is one that had a 17-play, 84-yard drive against Bel Air. They just keep running the ball until you're completely, your defense is completely withered away. So I think it's going to come down to one of those. Walker's going to knock it in, and they're going to you know, go up from trailing by three to win by four. So, All right. Thank you very much, Charlie. Of course. Always fun to be on. And that's all we have for this week. Gridiron Glory Overtime is produced and edited by myself, Parker Kapronica. I want to give a special thanks to all those involved at WEB and Gridiron Glory that make this podcast reality. Make sure to tune into Gridiron Glory on WEB and YouTube every Friday night at 1130 and follow along at Gridiron Glory on all major social media platforms. I'll see you all next week.